Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the supernatural BBC thriller Requiem and the Netflix reality show Queer Eye. We've also watched the animated series Over the Garden Wall for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Seriously. How are you, Caroline? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. It's Monday, but I actually had breakfast this Monday, so that was a really fun way to wake up. So I'm actually, <laughs> <laughs> I like normally don't do that, but I had a sit down breakfast with my flatmates on a Monday morning and I was like, do you know what? There is joy in this earth and this world. This is a nice thing to do. Gosh, I don't think I can remember the last time I like sat at a table. And yeah, breakfast. it was really, well, I didn't even cook it. My flatmate cooked it all. So it was just... It was wow. great. Yeah, keeper. Great I know. Hang on to that one. <laughs> one thing I wanted to tell listeners about before we start is this new newsletter thing that I'm doing, which is all about podcasting. I know I have vaguely mentioned that I do this newsletter before, but if anyone still wants to check it out, you can find it at nocomplaints.email, which is a web address. People always look at me weirdly when I say that, but it is an That's a great web address. web address. I like that. Well, it's called No Complaints and it's an email, so I figure yeah. that kind of works but yeah I write about podcasts and podcasts I think are good and ones I don't think are good and how the people who make them make them so if that's your thing go and sign up it is a really great newsletter and it's always full of joy so I would heartily recommend that you do it (laughs) and in the meantime should we roll on with the show yeah let's do it the first thing that we're going to talk about this week is Requiem a six-part BBC thriller written by Chris Merckx and directed by Mahalia Bailo It stars Lydia Wilson as Matilda Gray, a cellist whose world is turned upside down when her mother, played by Joanna Scanlon, takes her own life in an eerie and unexpected way. Determined to understand what happened, she and her musician friend Hal, played by Joel Fry, follow clues among her mother's belongings and end up in a Welsh village investigating the cold case disappearance of a young girl in 1994. So it's basically like a a horror We've written thriller in the script, but it's kind of part thriller, part kind of classic horror with like ghosts and Mm. blood and mystery and the suggestion of supernatural stuff going on versus madness, which I feel like has been a very common thread in, in horror and ghost stories for, you know, hundreds of years. Yes, there's definitely, I think, some Hitchcocky elements to this. I sort of read ahead in a couple of reviews and there's a shower scene 
that comes, I think, in the second episode that has a lot in common with Psycho. Right. There's also some weird stuff going on with birds that try and attack her. So, yeah, there are definitely some very obvious references to, like, famous psychological, supernatural type things. I have to say, I found this immensely unsettling. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it, actually. I know that this is, like, a stupid criticism to make of horror, but I found it silly and, like, theatrical and kind of sensational. But I guess mm. that is the point of horror. So obviously the first major thing that we see in the first episode is Matilda's mother committing suicide in front of her in a car park. She, like, slits her throat in this really graphic way in front of her. Mm. And I, I like I just kind of hated it. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't like it, but I guess I just found it so like nakedly violent and so theatrical that I was like, why, why has it happened like this? What's the, what's the point of doing it that way? But then horror is kind of meant to be shocking in that way. So I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I really did not like the way they did that or the way they did the other big death that happens mm. right at the beginning is this, this old man who he sees this, he sees something weird over his shoulder in a mirror and then he smashes all the mirrors in his house, climbs up on the roof and jumps off. We've seen the first episode, you don't get any explanation of why he's done that at all. And even while he was smashing all the mirrors, I was saying to myself, like, this is absurd. Mm. This is stupid. But at the same time, I am, re I don't know why, I am so affected by the like creepy, slightly screamy, horror-y soundtrack that mm. they give these things, the like background staticky noises that like makes my heart race it makes me feel really anxious which i think is the response they're going for so i was both like affected by it whilst at the same time going like oh, i see what you're doing here yeah it's funny because i feel like really good horror destabilizes and unsettles you because it kind of like subverts things like traditional ideas we have about like gender or power or mm. you know like with get out it's about race it's like using these kind of like normal scary power dynamics we have in our lives that's why there's so many ones about like creepy yeah. kids and creepy parents and stuff like it takes something that is every day but also quite weird and scary and just like uses that framework to kind of really freak you out and for me so I, I mean obviously the payoff it's too early to get the payoff in the first episode but I'm like okay what game are they playing here or are they just trying to like scare you for the sake of it mm. um which is kind of pointless to me the scenes once they get to wales and they discover the creepy house and you know when she's like wandering around these deserted corridors and finding a trap door underneath the carpet that leads down into a spooky basement and stuff it actually reminded me of do you remember that jonathan creek episode oh. that we reviewed where the do man ever... uses his eyes <laughs> to try and solve will the crime? that ever be burnt um, seared from my memory it's just gonna live there forever that bloody what was it it was like um oh no no i can't remember it was like phone e I, he's a phone yes, he's like looking at the phone and then looking at a Y on a poster through the door and they're like phone E he was saying the man is a phony <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so that's a part of that episode revolved around the fact that this old uh, long dead magician-y type illusionist person had booby trapped his own mm. grave so that all of these scary mm. effects flew out of it and both the house but also that really reminded me of this because I remember watching that and laughing and being scared 
simultaneously. You are the only person I know who's ever been actually scared by a Jonathan Creek episode, Caroline. <laughs> it happens all the time. Like, honestly, I am so affected by the, like, as soon, as soon as something, you know, that trick that they use a lot where they narrow the camera angle right in to be just behind somebody's yeah. head. So you feel very conscious that there's, like, things beyond the frame, but you aren't being allowed yeah. to see them. And it, tra- like, tracks them round up a staircase, totally. say. And then you get the creepy music. Doesn't matter if the show is terrible. I will still find that scary. They do scary. that a few times in this. And that is quite reliant yes. on those, like, typical thriller and horror tropes. But, you know, like that Jonathan Creek episode... At the end of that Jonathan Creek episode, what have you kind of gained from it apart from the experience of either finding it scary or silly or funny? Like absolutely nothing. Whereas when you see like mm. a really good horror film, you spend the next three days being like, God, that was like yeah. destabilizing for, you know, six or seven reasons. And for me, this so far has just been like, okay, I, I get that it's trying to make me feel something while my eyes are on the screen. And that's maybe as far as it's going to go. But what a ridiculous thing to say when you're only one episode into like an eight episode long season. I'm sure it may have many hidden depths that will be revealed over the course of the series. Yeah, that's true. I did want to shout out to a great piece I read about this on the Radio Times website, which basically said the real hero of Requiem is Lydia Wilson's fringe. <laughs> She does. She's beautiful. <laughs> Which I 100% she? agree with. She's really beautiful in a kind of like, kind of blunt way, isn't she? In a very like mm. ethereal sort of way. Matilda Gray, that is just such a terrible novel character name. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Matilda Gray. <laughs> yes. Like, what? Oh, that immediately set my pugging tooth on edge. I was just like, I don't, I'm not interested in a TV show where the lead character is called Matilda Gray. But there is sort of a twist at the end of the episode, and you're like, ah, well, maybe. Maybe there's a reason why that sounds like a made yeah, up name. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I might carry on with it just out of sheer curiosity rather than because I'm really enjoying it, but we'll see. Yeah, although I'm still heavily into watching Craith that we reviewed ah, last at the end of last Kraith week's episode so I'm really liking it or it's Kraith isn't it Kraith is it Kraith I don't know I don't speak Welsh yeah I'm really into that and I feel I only have space for one like Welsh landscape based crime thing at a time <laughs> it is an interesting comparison point though to Requiem because they're both sort of involved with like long-standing disappearances of mm. young women they're both on this very like austere backdrop and they're both kind of I don't know ghosts literal and figurative it's it's all to do with kind of like past stories and those kind of how they kind of like hover over people's lives for years to come but I'd for me Kreith is just much more interesting even though it is a more traditional detective format I don't know why it just feels more authentic to me somehow than this which is very stylized and very sensational and kind of silly in parts Mm, yeah I feel the same so yeah I'm not sure that I'm going to carry on with it while there are still new episodes of (laughs) Kreith I could enjoy a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Now we're going to talk about Queer Eye, which is the 2018 Netflix reboot of the 2003 Bravo reality show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. This new series follows a similar format to the original, with a fab five of gay men transforming the life of a different straight man in each episode. For the reboot, the show has moved from New York City to Atlanta, Georgia, and has expanded its remit somewhat beyond just fashion, interiors and grooming to discuss fatherhood, race and masculinity. Anna, I've been watching this for a while because I've actually written a piece for the spring issue of The New Humanist that's out quite soon. Well, first of all, I wanted to know if you have gone back and watched any of the old Queer Eye episodes. Yeah, I did for writing because um, in this piece I was kind of comparing them quite closely. So yeah, I watched most of the first series again. Because that must be a really interesting experience because mm. obviously before we even begin to discuss the, the ins and outs of the show, since 2003, the mainstream understanding of LGBT issues you know queer representation even like the literal me like the meaning of the word queer i feel like the, the mainstream understanding possibly you know that like the straight understanding of what the word queer means has developed so much i feel like when queer in 2003 if i'd heard that i would have assumed it was being used in a context of like being a slur Whereas now mm. the word queer is used so much more to talk about in, in the mainstream media, I mean, because obviously it's always had a community use that's been very specific. But in the mainstream media now that word is used so much more to talk about a broader umbrella of LGBTQ issues. And just like things like that show how far we've moved on from 2003 yeah, and what this show could be in 2003 and what it could be in 2018 are so different. So going back and watching those 2003 episodes remind me what they're actually like is it all very much like gay guys love fashion like is it very yeah in that vein it really is so I actually found it in places quite uncomfortable because the attitude of the fab five can come across as quite snide and a bit bullying almost in some cases almost in like we're fabulous gay guys and you're a no hope a straight guy mm -hmm. you know type thing they also ingest say some things that i don't think they would say now like in the first episode they have a go at the guy they're making over who's got really long hair saying that his hair's like like a little girl's and stuff mm. as if that's not something that a man should have that's interesting and they they make him put on this t-shirt that says i heart ny boys which he's visibly uncomfortable with mm. and they find that funny mm. you know stuff like that where it's a little bit more almost it's not quite what we would now call queer baity but they they bait him with their ideas of masculinity mm -hmm. 
So yeah, that was it was interesting to go back and watch that. And the original show has been rightly criticised for perpetuating some quite reductive stereotypes of what a gay man is or could be. But it's also really interesting. I went back and watched quite a lot of interviews with the Fab Five, uh, the original Fab Five since, where they reflect on it. And they were talking about things like, you know, we weren't trying to be political activists. We were actually just trying to make a really popular reality show. Totally. Which is what we did. But also it unintentionally had political consequences. So like um, Ted Allen, who was the food and wine guy, he went on to be on uh, Top Chef, I think, talked about how he got thousands and thousands of letters from closeted gay kids saying how the show had made it so much easier for them to reveal their sexuality to their parents because there were actually some gay people on TV who were nice and not troubled Mm. and doing well Mm -hmm. so it was actually much easier to say like i'm gay like they are gay Mm -hmm. you know totally that's really interesting actually watching the new series was kind of thinking about how that dual purpose of the show almost or the two the two sides of the show where the new fab five have to go in and their first priority has to be making a good tv show right that's yeah but i what one thing that i was really impressed by in the new show is how much the Fab Five seem to take the responsibility of giving this person a a makeover or whatever you want to call it. They seem to take it very seriously. And some of the stuff you've said Mm. there about like putting people in silly t-shirts and cutting their entire head of hair off for a dramatic transformation, like those things are quite easy shortcuts to making like fun or immediately dramatic television. But they actually don't do that in this new show. They don't really do much kind of there's no sort of winding up of the guy that they're transforming. And nor is there like a real attempt to be like, let's just try and make him look as different as possible. No. In the first episode, I really liked how they took this guy and he had like a really big beard. And they were like, oh, beards can be cool, but you just need to keep it a bit more trimmed. And like, we really like your eyes. So show off your face. It wasn't like oh, what the hell are you doing? You need to completely rehaul your entire life. You look disgusting. There's none of that. And I really like, yeah, I really liked that, the kind of care that they took with the central person being made over. I thought it was really sweet. Yeah, I really liked that as well. And although they don't make a big deal of it, it's quite a body positive show as well because they're not telling anyone that they have to lose weight or do more exercise mm-hmm. or eat less or change what they look like. They're just saying these are some clothes that you might enjoy wearing a bit more Mm. or that might like there's another episode where the guy is basically still wearing the same clothes he was when he was 17 but he's now like 37 and a dad so they're saying like here are some clothes that might like suit your current role in life a bit better Mm -hmm. which is interesting they're not saying like you must drop two trouser sizes in order to be attractive totally and there is a bit of that in the like in any of these shows they are kind of resting on traditional ideas of beauty because that's what these shows are and there is like Mm. an element of like if you wear layers that has a slimming effect and yeah in the one that i watched they're like stop drinking so much mountain dew or something like that because it's just you know you're there's too much processed food in your cupboard but it's never, it's not like that very intense, like Gok Wan or Trini and Susanna, like, this is how you look thin, like, which is mm. what a lot of those kind of early noughties TV shows were doing. And it does feel very different to that, for sure. Yeah, I also really liked some of the like non-clothing and grooming elements of it. There's one episode with a really 
like underconfident guy who's still living with his parents who wants to become a stand-up comedian and what my favorite member of the fab five karamo does is is he the one who does quote culture yes no idea what that means it's it's, it's not like this is tv you should be watching it's like this is how you have confidence (laughs) and you're Mm. like okay yeah it's weird it's almost like life coaching i guess he's really good though he's really good i really like him but in this particular episode with the stand-up guy his role is to like help him like make social media profiles and stuff that get across that he is a professional stand-up comedian and like help him get a website that will uh, make like pubs want to book him for gigs and Mm. all that kind of stuff so it's a lot more than just like this is a nice jacket you should wear it it's like you have this ambition I have skills that could help you realize it you know so yeah I find it really heartwarming totally and like cried in multiple episodes and then there's the other element of where i think queer eye in in 2003 was much more about like here's some people who here's like a man who won't know any gay people Mm. and we're gonna go in and like be gay and perform what like queerness is and we're gonna like introduce him to like the very concept of what homosexuality is and like obviously that's just I just don't feel like we're in the same place with that anymore and there's a line in the kind of intro where one of the fab five says you know back in 2003 we were looking for tolerance and now we're searching for actual acceptance which is Mm. more than just I know a gay person (laughs) and they're okay so I liked the elements of kind of there is still that that and it is a very very peripheral element of the show but there is that very peripheral element of of dealing with homophobia and there's kind of a line in the first one where this this southern white straight middle-aged man says to one of the fab five like oh who's the husband and who's the wife in your marriage and it, mm. they're in a car and the the two of the fab five that are in the car are like okay let's let's address this misconception you have about gay relationships because what you're saying there is actually a little bit homophobic and a little bit sexist you just aren't mm. aware of it and they're, they're really nice about it they're like oh you know it's not a major faux pas like it kind of is but they're very like gentle about it and yeah so i really i really like how they're kind of weaving those elements in because it is difficult it can't be a show that's all about that because they have they're like the makeover element is obviously the main narrative in the story but there is mm. it's really good the way they've kind of handled it and i just think the five guys are, are really really great they're all really I, they, right at the beginning i found one of them annoying the grooming guy with long hair who's probably the most Jonathan. yeah he's probably the most gregarious <laughs> and in the first five minutes i was like why is he talking like he's like literally on the internet all the time he just he's, he's got no like online versus real life persona they're just all one he's just talking yeah, he like, talks like a meme he just talks yeah, like a meme the all the time. time and then i think i found it frustrating at first because i found it vaguely performative and then i realized that it wasn't performative at all and he's just like excitable and gregarious and effusive and i really really liked him there's a great there was a great moment where um this guy is like oh I like the way you've trimmed my beard. You make me look like a president. And then he's like, oh my God, Ulysses S. Grant. Like that was my whole idea. But I imagined that he was like in 2017 and fly as hell. (laughs) And he's like so genuinely excited. And that was the moment where I switched and I was just like, oh no, this guy is like really wicked actually. He's really cool. I really love him. There's a a great episode where they make over a guy who's a fireman. And instead of doing it at the guy's house, they do it like at the fire station because he you know he has one of those jobs where he's like on shift four days a week right. and then off three so he actually like lives at the fire station some of the time and so they do the makeover there and there's a great scene where 
he and a couple of his fireman colleagues do like a little mini spa day with Jonathan. <laughs> um, and they like do face masks and put their feet in like bubbly water. And yeah, it's just the most adorable thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So they're all seemingly very great guys and they're all very good at what they're doing in, in making this TV show. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait to read your piece about it as well. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm not. I think it's out next week, actually, in print. But yeah, I'll tweet it when the online version is out. It was a bit of a nerve wracking experience for me, actually, because it's a quarterly magazine. I had to write it like a month ago when no one else had seen this show and there were no like takes yet at all. So I genuinely just had to be like, I think it is good for the following reasons. Yeah not knowing whether you know and how's the reception been to the show so far people seem to really like it one of the new york times tv critics said she found that um there's a an episode where they're making over this guy who's a cop and he and karamo have this quite like tense conversation about race relations in trump's america wow and i throwing in at the deep end they really do like i actually found that really interesting and i thought it was it was a really interesting direction for the show to go in and I thought the conversation was ultimately a good thing and like showed some kind of like they'd made some progress with this guy basically but this particular critic said she found it quite forced and didn't really like it very much. Right interesting. But um, so far yeah people seem to like the new woke queer eye. Yeah, well, I actually found myself getting really emotional at the end of the, ep- the first mm-hmm. episode that I watched. And I was like, oh, I really want to carry on watching this. So yeah, heartily recommend. Definitely do. The only downside to it, I would say, is that there's only eight episodes. Oh. Whereas in the like Bravo original, they used to make like 24 episodes a series mm. or something. So it just went on and on. Whereas now it's rather more limited. So last week we took a listener recommendation to watch Over the Garden Wall for the first time, which is a 2014 Cartoon Network miniseries about two brothers, Wurt and Greg, who are travelling through a strange forest to get back to their home. It looked quite familiar to me and then I looked up more about it and discovered that that's because it was created by Patrick McHale, uh, who's the writer of Adventure Time. The show also, incidentally, has the voices of Elijah Wood and Colin Dean in as the main two brothers, which also, I think, made me feel like, oh, I definitely recognise some things mm-hmm. about this. It's like, oh, that's because it's Elijah Wood. So yeah, what did you make of it? I actually think that this might be my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. I only watched one episode, so if it if it dramatically changes direction, then maybe not. But I really... There was something just immediately magnetic about it for me. It's got this really lovely music. So mm, it, I love the music. Yeah, so it's got these... The songs are kind of like... I, I guess like 40s and early 50s vibes. I know that Elijah Wood said like, oh, if this if this show was a, was a record, it would be played on a, on a phonograph. It's like very kind of old-timey classic melody strong vibes and i really really so immediately you're kind of taken into this slightly bizarre world that's kind of creepy like they've got you know the kind of typeface title cards that you would have in a silent movie yeah yeah it's all very deliberately designed to take you to a distant past and 
obviously the kind of forest setting because there's the premises about these two brothers as you say are trying to like make their way home from the deep dark wood is is really creepy but then the opening line just really made me laugh out loud it's greg who's the younger brother who's like a bit of a kind of dopey pudgy little round cute boy uh is going pete steve carrot face like just like listing all these like weird names and then he goes but i think the absolute worst name for this frog would be (laughs) yes and it's just such a stupid joke but it just really really made me laugh and so immediately i was like okay no tonally i'm really on board with this and i used to really like some cartoon network shows growing up like foster's home for imaginary friends which was I don't know if I would find it funny or interesting as an adult now, but when I was a kid, I really enjoyed it, which was, again, this kind of like slightly weird Victorian aesthetic uh, mixed with like very silly jokes and very cartoonish physicalities. So for me, it just kind of like really, really worked. I was mesmerized. Well, I didn't have quite such a strong reaction. I did really, really like the music and I liked the art style, but I just couldn't really get on with the story yeah (laughs) like I found myself like checking my phone towards the end and I was like oh I don't know if I like this very much but that I think is possibly doing it a slight disservice because I had the exact same reaction the first time I watched Adventure Time Mm. and like what the hell is this why is there a dog that talks and like a weird like spongy man completely confused by it my flatmate at the time was obsessed with it and so because he was always watching it I would like catch 10 minutes here and there and gradually I just got so into it that I was watching it on my own to the point where I think the next birthday all my birthday presents were Adventure Time themed because everyone knew how much I loved it. That's so funny. So what a journey to have gone on with that show. Yeah and I feel like this could be very similar like if I watched a bit more of it I think I would just get completely hooked. There is something about Patrick McHale's work that does that to me. I'm not sure why. I think maybe it's the type of humour. I'm initially like oh I don't find that funny. Then secretly yes I do find it funny yeah it's funny because I wasn't actually paying attention to the story it's funny that you say this you weren't interested in the story because actually I really I really wasn't paying attention to that but it was the atmosphere that I really enjoyed Mm. and so I'm kind of like oh this would be a good thing to like watch on the train yeah I think that's definitely true yeah so I'm I'm I really am into it and I'm just want to find a way to to watch it that isn't kind of like you know crappy quality illegal vids because mm. that kind of ruins it doesn't it when it's such nice animation and such lovely sound quality and stuff so looking into that from here on yeah I, i'm really grateful for the recommendation though because i'm not sure i would have ever watched this no if a listener hadn't told us to so um, yeah thank you very much to everyone who continues to send us their thoughts of things we should definitely. watch. for next week i thought of something that we could potentially watch, Mm. which is something that I've seen on BBC Three, on BBC iPlayer. And we've really enjoyed a lot of comedy, I would say, that's come out of BBC Three in the last few years, Mm. from Fleabag to This Country, the list goes on. And there's a new show on there called Young Offenders, which follows these two uh, school-age kids, like two, two boys, Bezzy mates. They live in Cork in Ireland. And yeah, they're in this colourful and bizarre working class community in, in kind of in that kind of chewing gum aesthetic where the characters sort of there's even a line where someone says, you know, a lot of weird stuff goes on around here. So you can kind of get away with whatever you want. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just quite silly. 
but there are parts of it that I, I I watched the first episode and I haven't watched any further, so I'm kind of keen to maybe investigate it slightly further. It's just very silly and there's something about it. I'm not sure if I like it or not yet, so I'd be interested for you to watch it and for you to let me know what you mm. think and we can talk about it. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you've enjoyed on the show. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Stab, you did something.